This is Prevailing Word Ministries. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. We're going to talk about contending earnestly for the faith. Let's get right into today's message. Amen. Today's message is contend earnestly for the faith. Uh, Please open up your Bibles to the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, obviously. And we'll begin at uh, verse one, the book of Jude, the uh, uh, verse one. And Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now, uh, before I go a little bit further into this, let me, let me read this and I'll go backwards. Uh, to those who are called sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, which was the message that we spoke of last week, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once uh, once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Contend earnestly for the faith. We go back up to verse one because I want to clean up something that I said uh, about Jude and uh, James. They uh, notice that the scripture says here, and brother of James. So you have to go back into the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 55, and realize that Jude and James were brothers. This is the same James that is the elder at the church in Jerusalem. And, and, and I find that humbling. Uh, before I get into the, the rest of the message, I find that humbling. And the reason why I find that humbling is that you have 12 apostles of the lamb and any one of them could have been the uh, overseer of the church in uh, Jerusalem, but they deferred to James, the brother or stepbrother or half brother of Jesus to be the uh, leader in uh, the church in Jerusalem. And, and so I find that very humbling, which only underscores one thing that that they that the disciples took to heart what Jesus ministered to them when he washed their feet uh, that you can find in the book of John, chapter uh, 13. You can find that there. And, and, and so uh, they humbled themselves and allowed the stepbrother of Jesus to be the uh, the elder at the church in Jerusalem. And that is so fascinating and so humbling. And it takes and 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 it should be a lesson to us that for us as ministers of, of the gospel, it, sh- it should remind us to do the same thing that we can defer uh, to someone else to be uh, the leader uh, when it isn't in, in our uh, ability or call, if you will, to be the leader. So we defer uh, as, as far as that is concerned. So I find that very humbling. All right. So now that I cleaned up that mess that I made last week. Notice that uh, uh, Jude went on and continue, excuse me, to those who are called sanctified by God, the father and preserved in Jesus Christ. This word preserved remind, reminds me of what Paul said in the book of uh, thir- first Thessalonians chapter five, where the where he said that. And I pray that your whole uh, spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and really re- 
pretty much that in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 is the gist of that particular verse, that God would preserve us, uh, spirit, soul, and body, blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are sanctified by God uh, here in the latter portion of verse 1 and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let me clean up something else before it uh, goes out of goes out of out of whack and crazy there's this once saved always saved that if you're in christ that that's it you can do whatever you want and then in the end you you're saved you're redeemed because you're you're saved once and you're always saved and that's error of scripture you can easily be removed from the body of christ when you enter into sin your name can be removed from the book of life and that we see in the book of revelation uh chapter two uh, uh, I believe chapter two, chapter three, where you, uh, a person's name can be blotted out of the book of life. So you've got to be very careful uh, not to assume that since you're saved, that's it. You don't have to be saved anymore. You don't have to stay, stay saved. You can go in sin and it's all right. No, it isn't. You have first John chapters one, two and three that will definitely rebuke you. So you got to be very, very careful of that. So don't assume that because you're preserved in Christ that you can do whatever you want to do. And then next thing you know, uh, you're, you're outside and, 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 uh, and in a, in a world of trouble and, and destined for the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone. Verse two, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you beloved while verse three. Now, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once all, once for all delivered to the saints. And there's a reason why we have to contend for the faith. Notice in verse four, he says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. In other words, nobody really paid attention to these men that came in and want to uh, circumvent the faith, want to circumvent the gospel. And that's why, you know, I uh, shared about concerning our conversation, uh, excuse me, uh, concerning our common salvation, uh, that uh, we have to we have to be able to, uh, in a nutshell, uh, be able to communicate the gospel. And the gospel is communicated in a nutshell, as we've said before in first Corinthians chapter 15, verses three and four. Uh, and so if you want to go back over that, you can go back to our message last week. It's on Prevailing Word Live and Prevailing Word Ministries and the, the Minister's Crucible on our YouTube channels. Anyway, notice that men crept in unnoticed. Nobody really paid attention to these individuals. And, and so the reason why nobody paid attention to these individuals is because, first of all, they come in with scripture. I like what one brother did. He 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 on YouTube. I forgot the channel, but he shared uh, that uh, people come in with the scriptures. I mean, that's what Satan used against Jesus in, in the book of Matthew, chapter four, uh, when when he wanted to tempt Jesus. So what does Satan do? He tempted uh, Jesus with his own word. And so you got to remember something that the that the devil knows the Bible very well. And if you're not careful about the scriptures, it's very easy for him to attempt to trip you up. And if you don't know the true context of the scriptures, the true context or the teachings of the scriptures, it's very easy for you and I to be deceived. So uh, what do we see also in the book of Genesis, chapter three? We also see that Satan uses the word of God to get Eve to be deceived, to deceive Eve. And, and so it started out. Yeah, did God say? 
And, and so uh, evidently, yes, God said. And, and, and so Satan has no defense for the word of God. He can only tempt you. He can only deceive you. But when you know the word of God, you can easily contend for the faith by giving him back what the contextual teaching of the word of God is. So that's why you have to stay away from false teachers and false doctrine and, and all that, because those individuals, there's nothing you could do about it. There's nothing that you can do about false teachers, false prophets, and, and individuals that have gone off the deep end with the scriptures. You, you can't really do anything about them, except probably pray for some of them. You can't pray for them all because some of them, some of these individuals are uh, are on assignment directly from Satan and they have no intention of coming back into the truth, no intention of returning to the Lord. And, and so that we see of Carlton Pearson and everybody is is mad and upset when people go along these lines about Carlton Pearson. We got to pray for Carlton Pearson because he he we, we can't let him die like this. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've seen a, a videotape with him and uh and uh, Jamal Bryan and Jamal Bryan is another another individual that you got to be very careful about. He's he's off the deep end as well. And and and, and uh, uh, Jamal Bryan said to him, Carlton, we're going to pray for you. And then Carlton came right immediately. I mean, he didn't even think about it. It was just immediate. It's all on YouTube. You can tell me, check it out yourself on YouTube. And he said this, the old Carlton, don't pray for Carlton. The old Carlton is not coming back is not coming back. So he is an apostate. He turned he turned away his uh his heart from the Lord and and there's really nothing that anybody can do about it. This is what you see in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and also in the book of 1 John chapter 5, the sin unto death and so forth. And so uh, there is sadly he's lost forever just like Judas was. Remember Judas? He he was an apostle of the lamb, but in the end he betrayed the Lord and he committed suicide. And he ended up in hell. Jesus even said it, that there is none that is lost except the son of perdition. So as far as Carlton Pearson is concerned, it's, it's a done deal. He, he made his decision and and that's the way that is. So these these individuals will use the word of God to trick you and to deceive you. And, and then if you're not careful, you will not contend for the faith. In fact, what most people do is that they end up defending them. And, and, and see, when it comes to defending the, the, the scriptures, as far as the error is concerned, you got to be very careful of those individuals, too. You cannot defend error and you cannot defend the ones that teach error. So you got to be very careful that when you see and when you hear error in scripture, turn away from them, walk away from them because they want to they want you to be just as deceived as you are. And so when you stand for the faith and when you contend for the faith, that is what this is talking about. But there are other ways in, 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 in which we are to contend for the faith. And, 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 and so we're going to go through our notes. Contend earnestly for the faith. The, the faith that Paul is speaking of is faith in Christ. In other words, what you have to do is that you have to make sure that you fight for the faith that is in Christ. We're not talking about fighting for believing God for things. We're, we're not talking about that. I'm, I'm not dealing with that. I'm dealing with contending for the faith that is in Christ. And, and so the faith that Paul is speaking of is faith in Christ. The faith that Jude is speaking of is faith in Christ. And so Paul mentions on regular, on regular occasions about the faith of Christ or faith in Christ. 
And, and so we see Jude doing the same thing. So Paul and Jude have something in common. And that is fighting for the faith. Now, remember what Paul said in his valid, uh, valid uh, Victorian uh, uh, speech, uh, rather uh, uh, ending up the letter in the book of Second Timothy, chapter six. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a crown laid up for me. And, and so he fought for the faith constantly. Now, even Paul concedes in Acts chapter 20 that there will be individuals that will ra be raised up in, within the church but also those who are coming from the outside inside the church that will act as wolves and will not spare the flock. So we have these individuals. They're all in the body of Christ. In fact, the Lord Jesus mentioned this in the book of Matthew chapter 13 in two parables, the, uh, rather in one parable, the parable of the tares, where there will be tares among wheat planted by the enemy. And, and so we got to remember something about tares. Tares is poisonous. And so we won't know the difference until they all grow up. And then there's a time of the separation. And that's why when you get into the scriptures, you got to be very careful of certain individuals. I like what Paul said in the book of Galatians, chapter one, verses eight and nine. And, and, but in verse six, he said that I find it uh, very uh, marvelous that you are so soon turned away from the from the gospel. The very basic gospel message which in a nutshell, as I've said again, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, and, and, and turned away, and, 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 and that there's an individual that is, has perverted the gospel, perverted or turned the gospel, or like Peter, what uh, Peter said in the book of uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, those that twist the words of Paul and the rest of the scriptures. So you have individuals that are planted by Satan to twist the scriptures, but guess what? We have the scriptures, too, and you have you. There is no excuse for you, especially if you've been taught the scriptures, especially if, been, if you've been taught the word of God. You have no excuse for turning away from the faith, because as Peter said in the book of Second Peter, chapter three, it is it'll be worse for you if you had known it'll be worse for you, rather, if you have known the truth and turn away from it. For it is preferred that you haven't heard it at all. And, and yeah, it'll be bad for those who ha haven't heard it at all. We, we concede that. And, and, but, but individuals that have heard the truth, walked in the truth, and this is Hebrews chapter 6, and walked in the truth for a little while and then they walk away from Christ, it'll be worse for you. So, you, so we have to be very careful. So there are tears in the body of Christ. There's nothing we can do about it. We, we can teach all day. We can show the scriptures all day. But when an individual has made up their mind to, to chase after false doctrine and live with it, and then when they are rebuked and they reject it, there's nothing that you can do about it. You can pray for them. You, those individuals that haven't become an apostate, you can pray for them, and, and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll come to their senses. They'll come to their senses and begin to learn that, hey, wait a minute, this is false doctrine. This is false teaching. What in the world am I doing in this? And, and so that's what I've been doing for years. I've been teaching false doctrine until it finally came to my senses. Wait a minute. This is not the gospel. The gospel is, in a nutshell, very basic in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. So our faith in Christ is under constant assault by the devil because he hates Christ and his true disciples. And that's very clear. When you take a stand against wickedness, the world expects you to surrender to its will, but you don't. You do the opposite. Speaking truth to power is taken as an insult 
because the world believes it's God. They think they're God. They think that they're running the show. They think that they're the ones that, who are you to tell me this and that and the other? The, and, and, and they come up with all kinds of other excuses. Well, the Bible is just a fairy tale book. The Bible is nothing but myths. But I, 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 I want to ask you this question. Who said that we have to die and why? Once you, once you ask that question, now you, 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 you perk their attention. Because the first two answers that will normally come out of individuals that are religious and, and don't know the Lord, the first two things that will come out of their mouth is simply this. Well, Mother Nature, it, Mother Nature says that we have to die. Well, wait a minute. Does Mother Nature exist? <laughs> that's, that's the next obvious question. And if Mother Nature does exist, have you ever spoken to her? And if she exists, have you received an answer from her? No different than Elijah on Mount Carmel uh, uh, mocking the individuals that were serving Baal. Perhaps he has gone on a journey. You can say that about uh, Mother Nature. Perhaps she's gone on a journey or perhaps she went to the bathroom somewhere to relieve herself. Maybe she's asleep. Uh, you know, just make a little fun. But get them to see that even in their uh, uh, imbecilic minds uh, that, that they have a twisted uh, agenda in mind that they don't want to have anything to do with the true and living God. The second thing that most individuals will say, well, death is a part of living. Well, wait a minute. Ask, this, ask yourself this question. Why would death take my life? And then you can run them through the gospel. All right, but, but it's an insult to the world to stand against power. It insults them because you're, you're uh, uh, giving them the highest power, the only Power. There's there's absolute power and there's delegated power or authority. God is absolute power in terms of uh, his ability to make things, create things and so forth. In terms of dunamis power, he is absolute in there because, again, he's omnipotent. But he is also all authority because all authority comes from God. In fact, the book of Romans, chapter uh, 13 and verse one, I'll pull it up. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So all authority comes from God. So it, when, whenever you're dealing with individuals, all you have to do is start off by talking about death because everybody is afraid of death. There is not one person that is not afraid of death. Now, when they say to you, oh, I'm not afraid of death. Yes, they are. All you got to do is take them to the cemetery or to the funeral and tell them this is where you're going to go. This is where we all are going to go. No one is exempt. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter nine, you can give them that verse if you can memorize that verse. Hebrews nine and verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment. So if death is true on one hand, judgment is true on the other. There is no way that anybody can escape death. Nobody wins from that war, as the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8 tells us. Everyone is going to be going that way. There is no way out of it. And so all authority belongs to the Lord, nobody else. Absolute authority belongs to God. But when there's abuse of power, we're talking about delegated authority because, again, all authority comes from God. Uh, but when there's abuse of power, the Lord is not in it. Evil rulers are evil because they choose to do evil like Satan. Now, I like this story in the book of uh, Acts chapter 5 and, and beginning at verse 28 because the uh, Sanhedrin were 
uh, questioning the apostles of the Lamb in terms of their ability to communicate the gospel and to preach that Jesus was raised from the dead, but also the fact that the Jews put the Romans up to it to kill Jesus. And so the Jews murdered the son of the living God. And we'll see scripture that Jesus used uh, that uh, will will show this. Uh, Look at verse 28 again. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And so the Sanhedrin is authority. But you see, you got to realize something that when the veil was ripped in two after Christ died on the cross, the Old Testament ended. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. And, And as an emphasis in A.D. 70, the temple was destroyed. So uh, the Sanhedrin uh, asked the, uh, the apostles of the, of the Lamb this question, did we not strictly command you to teach in this name? Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Well, didn't they say, well, uh, the, his blood be upon us and upon our children? Well, what did, what they're doing is that they're rightly accusing the Jews of what they did. In fact, Jesus said that, said this to Pilate. He said, the ones that are put are putting you up to put me to death, they have the greater sin. So uh, these individuals do not have clean hands. These individuals have blood on their hands. But verse nine, look at this. Verse 29, rather. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that ends it right there. We obey God than men. Now, when it comes to the natural operations of the law in terms of what is righteous and what is right, we as believers are to walk in that authority, uh, walk in, walk under that authority that that when police officers and, and when uh, individuals that are our authority say something and, and it's not against the scriptures, you just simply obey it and co- and obey that command. Why? Because uh, that's right. Uh, but as far as not to preach the gospel, uh, no, 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 no. God commissioned us to preach the gospel. And there is no man on this planet that is big enough and bad enough to stop us from doing what we do. The only way that they stop us is if two things happen Two one of two things happen. We walk away or they kill us. That's it. That's all they have. But when it comes to the gospel, that's it. We're commissioned by the Lord to preach the gospel. And there is nothing on this planet, no one on this planet that can stop us from doing what we do. And and so uh, all authority comes from God and they are subject to God. When authority uh, wants to castrate children without a parent's permission, that's evil. That's when you begin to say, nope, I'm not going to let you do it. I, you, that child belongs to me, and, and, and I am the, the one that is steward over this child. God gave me this child, and I'm going to exercise my right as a parent for you not to do anything without my permission. Because if you let them do anything without your permission, then that's it. You, 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 you have no authority. And so uh, uh, in terms of earnestly contend for the faith, we're seeing that the world is standing up to this, which we'll get into in, in a moment. When a school board wants to put uh, pornographic material in the children's library, that's evil. You as a parent have every right to stop them from doing what they're, they're doing 
or simply remove the child and homeschool them or take them to another school, whatever. But do what you have to do to protect your child. And that's that's also a part of what we should do as as far as contending for the faith is concerned. And that's part of that. And we need to exercise our parental rights and making sure that government does not go too far with exercising jurisdiction over our children. And that's very important. A parent caught a teacher in the act of making her son put on a dress. The parent was just checking up on the child and happened to walk in and opened up the door and said, wait a minute, take that dress off my child. And she had to pull the child and take the dress off. Of course, she was embarrassed because she thought that she could exercise authority without parental discretion. And and thank God that the parent had had that inner intuition. I don't know if this parent was saved, but that inner intuition to to uh, go up to the school and make sure that the the school is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And and if they're doing something wrong, you catch them in the act and you exercise authority. Plain and simple. And and so uh, a parent caught a teacher in the act of making her son put on a dress and commanded the teacher to take that dress off the child. A worldly parent walked into a classroom, and this, of course, is definitely worldly, uh, don't, doesn't know the Lord. A worldly parent walked into a classroom and pulled down the homosexual flag and said to her, you're supposed to be teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic, not homosexuality. And, of course, the teacher was um, insulted because she uh, she ripped down the, the 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 flag, but guess what? This is not reading, writing, and arithmetic. This is sexual immorality. Either you're going to teach my child what what my child is here for, or you take this flag down and just call it a day. But she exercised her parental authority and pulled that that flag down. Boy, that's bold. But see, that's the world. But where's the church? Where's where's the believers? Yes, there are believers. In fact, there was a pastor that stood in front of a school board and read out of their own book pornography. And the school board was so offended that they 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 asked the security guard or police officer to officer to escort that pastor out of the out of the um, the the meeting. But wait a minute. This is your book. This is this is what you put in here. This is what you allow. But but this is what I'm reading to you that you allowed. And so why are you putting me out? Uh, why are you putting the pastor out? And so it's very important that you exercise authority as a child of God to contend earnestly. For, that's what partially it means to contend earnest, earnestly for the faith. Now, we show it in terms of contextually uh, individuals that have crept in unnoticed, but also for those that are out there that are children and have no idea of the of the of the evil that is out there and they're being groomed and indoctrinated to be performers of evil themselves and so you got to be very careful about these individuals even the world knows the difference between wickedness and righteousness when you stand up for your faith in Christ you will be attacked and commanded to stand down the world, the hatred of the world for God is very clear here in the book of uh, Exodus chapter 20. Look at verse four. This is one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth 
beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now I know that Oprah Winfrey went off the deep end saying, why does God got to be jealous about anything? Because he's jealous. And that that's second. First, he's God. If he's God, that's it. That settles it. And, and so you you do not have authority to bring nor power, I should say, whether whether dunamis power or exousia power. You don't have any of that power to pull God down off his throne. And that's what Satan always try to do, try to dethrone God. And so that's the way the world uh, tries to operate, try to dethrone God. And, and that can't happen. So if God wants to be jealous and God is jealous, he's going to be jealous. There's nothing you can do about it. Why? Because he is God, period. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But let's read the rest of this but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So that's why it's not enough for you to just sing. I love the Lord. 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 But you don't do his commandments. You don't do what he says. How do we prove that we love God by doing his commandments? That's how we prove that we love the Lord. But notice what it says here in the middle portion uh, to the fourth, to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Those that hate God don't want to have anything to do with God. And this is why we contend earnestly for the faith, because there are individuals that hate God, that don't want to have anything to do with God. But he is the one to have ultimate authority. Remember, he is omnipotent and he is also omniscient and he is omnipresent. He is fully God and he is fully capable, capable of taking each and every one of us if we're in sin to judge us and to put us in hell. He has every right to do that. And, and so if there's no fear of God, then, then what happens? Then we could do anything that we want. I mean, look at a criminal. The only time that a criminal thinks that he got away with it is when, when the authorities uh, do not come for him. But he knows that somebody that is an authority is going to come from him. So he's constantly looking over his shoulders. But it's gotten to the point and and, and uh, people in, that are uh, writing laws and whatnot, the lawmakers have made it so uh, um, so clear that that the police are not going to arrest you. The police are not going to do anything in some counties. Some some laws have been passed where the police officers just turned a blind eye. In fact, in the in the state of, of New Jersey, if an indiv- if they pull over an individual that have a, a certain amount of marijuana, they don't even uh, arrest him. Whereas it used to be that if you had a certain amount of marijuana, that's it. You're going to get booked. You're going to go to jail. And that's the end of it. But but we have reached the point where the authorities no longer look over, no longer uh, 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 impose or enforce the law. And all, all of a sudden, the criminals have a free heyday. For instance, in many of your stores in many of the stores, especially in San Francisco, people go gang storming into store in the stores and take anything they want. In fact, there's a there's a particular law. I don't know if I forgot if it was uh, San Francisco or uh, Los Angeles, where up to $900, you can take anything you want and the stores can't do anything about it. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says thieves shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So even, for instance, I like what Ray Comfort used as a, a, a great illustration. If there is a, 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 a bill fold on the table, it has $100 bills, $20 bills, $50 bills, 
$1 bill or even coins, one penny or whatnot. If you just took a penny, it is no difference. The amount of the thing that is stolen is, is insignificant. Just one penny. If you take one penny, you are a thief, period. End of discussion. Thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God, the Bible says in the book of First Corinthians chapter 6. So if you're a thief, you're not getting into the kingdom. You're not inheriting the kingdom. You will go to hell even if you stole just one penny. Now, if now, now Paul says this, let him in the book of uh, Ephesians, let him that stole steal no more, but let him labor with his hands that he may have something to give. So if you just repent, if you've stolen anything, just simply repent and, and simply say, I'm not going to steal anymore and never steal again because thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right. So there are individuals that hate the Lord, that viciously hate the Lord. Now, look at this in the book of first John, uh, excuse me, not first John, John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one. And this is referring to the Jews. Look at verse 10 in John chapter one. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So his own did not receive him. Jesus was born, was born up from the tribe of Judah. Remember, he was born in Bethlehem because uh, there was a, a consensus that was a, a order that was made that everybody has to go to their hometown to be to be uh, uh, registered and, and or consensus, if you will. And so uh, John, uh, so Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem and that's where Jesus was born. He was born in Bethlehem, meaning house of bread. Remember what he says in the book of John, chapter six, that he is the bread of life. And so he was also, according to the genealogy, uh, genealogy of Jesus that we see in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, uh, excuse me, chapter three, that he was born of the tribe of Judah. And of course, the book of Revelation that tells us that he is the lion of the tribe of Junior, Judah. So so just just see how powerful that is. First, God created the world. Then he put Adam and Eve on the planet. Adam and Eve transgressed and through Adam and Eve, throughout all the generations, out of all those millions of people, Judah came and Jesus comes out of the tribe of Judah, meaning that he created all of this. That is so amazing. And, and so his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to be sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. So the Jews rejected him. Now go to uh, pull up, I'm going to pull up John chapter uh, 15, verse 18. Now, if I'm going too fast with the scriptures and you're trying to catch up with the scriptures, I'm sorry. Uh, please go back over to our YouTube channel, uh, Prevailing Word Live and Prevailing Word Ministries and the, and the Minister's Crucible, and you'll see this message again. And so if I'm pulling up these scriptures too fast for you to keep up, please go back over them and then write the scriptures down so that you can have them for your own personal notes. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You see, the world hates God. The world hates Jesus before it hates you. Because now that you're in Christ, you're just as hated as God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. The world won't have a problem with you. And that's why you have to 
really take a, 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 a grain of salt when people say, I am a Christian, but they go back out into the world. I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm, going, I'm, I'm going back into the world. I'm going to do the things that I love. You got to be very careful of those individuals. I find that that the individuals that are are, are of note are of note in the world, like your celebrities, whether they're in the music industry or uh, TV stars and whatnot. Those individuals, you have to really, really, really watch what they do. Just because they say I'm a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that they are. And because they have such a great following, millions of individuals, guess what? Where they go, people go. But you see, those individuals, when they say that I am a Christian, you watch if they were truly genuine born again and they have, let's say, for instance, a million followers on YouTube and they really got born again and they really believe their Bible, you will find that their subscribers will decrease. You will find that their followers will decrease. You will find that the number gets smaller and smaller and smaller once you begin to really live this Christian life. And so that's why, you know, with your family members, they were cool with you. No problems. But all of a sudden you bring Christ into the house. There's problems. So now verse 19 again, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. The world doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And so that's why we contend earnestly for the faith. You see, when you come into Christ, you have nothing to lose. You, you already lost the world. <laughs> you already lost the things of the world. So when you come into Christ, you have nothing to lose and Christ to gain. And so now verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's the tale of the tape. That's part of the territory. You don't come into Christ to be liked by the world or even among other believers, although we ought to learn to love one another, irrespective of whether they love us or not. That's the true born again believer that simply walks in the love of God to the degree that even if you do things that are uncomfortable, if you say things to me that are nice, it doesn't make a difference. I still love you. Why? Because God still loves you and, and nothing changed except for the fact that I'm walking in holiness and you're not. I'm walking in the word of God and you're not. And my sole prayer is that you come to your senses and come to Christ just like I did and, and you will see that there is a, a great life in Christ as far as eternal life is concerned and the characteristics of God that are in Christ that, that can't be measured. And, and so if they persecuted the Lord, they will persecute you. If they keep my word, they will, also, they will keep yours also. But all these things... But but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. Because they do not know him who sent me. If if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. So you just can't say I hate Jesus and love the father. No, it doesn't work that way. Why? Because Jesus and the father are one. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not they would have no sin. 
but now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. What did the Lord do? The Lord didn't do anything to you that is of great harm. The Lord didn't hit you upside the head. The Lord didn't do anything of great harm to you. Uh, you hate the Lord without a cause. It's clear that, the, that when the world hates the Lord, the Lord didn't do anything. You do not see anybody out there in the world using the name of the devil, devil in vain blaspheming the devil because he did he did this to you no you don't see that you don't see anybody blaspheming allah you don't see anyone blaspheming uh, confucius or buddha or any of those other gods but you hear them curse god and god didn't do anything to you god didn't do anything to the world it's the world that has it twisted so satan was so su successful in getting people to believe that it's god's fault it is he that did this thing and he didn't do a thing. He didn't do anything. And so the world hates the Lord without a cause. Here in John chapter seven and verse seven, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it. That is works are evil. And that's where the problem is. When we when we preach the word of God, especially, you know, when we're out there on the streets or when we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to individuals that are not saved. Guess what? The world cannot hate you because but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. So when when Jesus is speaking of this, he's talking to the Sanhedrin that said, hey, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you know, this this thing that you're teaching is just is, is not good. And, and, and so Jesus is like saying what he's, what he's teaching is good and it's the law. And guess what? The world cannot hate them. Why? Because the world loves them. And that's why we contend earnestly for the faith. Because the world wants to have sin. The world doesn't want to be told about its sin. The world doesn't want to have anything to do with the righteousness of God. And that's why we preach the word of God. And that's why we live the word of God. And that's why we enjoy the presence of God, because now we see the difference in the distinction between what is sin and what is righteousness, what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And so when you tell the world that this is sin, all of a sudden you're going to have enemies. And so these enemies are going to come up and, and try to get you to stand down. But you learn to stand in, in faith in Christ. And you obey God rather than obey man. Again, verse seven, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. And that's what we do. We testify to the world that its works are evil. We don't we don't sugarcoat it. We don't try to uh, uh, make it uh, or dilute the word of God. We tell them what 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 God is against and what God is for. Now, if you want to have God on your side, do what he says. And that is to lay aside every every wicked thing, lay it aside and repent of it and turn from it because it's for your own good. So it's very important that we understand that the world hates the Lord and, and that they will hate us just as just as equally as the Lord. So in in the book, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, beginning at verse one, 
we see the parable of the wicked vine dressers. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower, and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, in, in terms of this parable, this is very simple for us to understand. The Lord gave Israel the land. The land belongs to Israel. There's no two ways about it. The, the children of Israel is not going to get out of the land just because people are mad at Israel. It's not going to happen because God promised the land to Abraham and his descendants. Sorry, end of that. But here we see that the Lord gave the uh, vine dressers the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and they are to produce. What is that producing? The producing of the good fruit. But see, notice here that he left for a season. All right. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower and he leased it to vine dressers. So this is the child. This is the children of Israel. And went to a far country. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vine of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Now, if you study out the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 36, you will see. And also the book of uh, Jeremiah, chapter 52, if I remember correctly, that the Lord sent his prophets. And so here right here is verse three. These are the prophets that the Lord sent to warn the children of Israel of their sin. Now, here's something that you have to understand that when God sends a prophet, it is not to preach to you smooth things. It is not to preach to you things that you want to hear. It is not to give you a word from God that puts you on cloud nine. No, when God sends a prophet, he is going to send them to warn them of the sins and that of their sins and to repent and to turn from their sins. In other words, they're the watchmen, as the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter 33. Uh, uh, the watchman warns because when the sword is about to fall, the Lord sends the watchman to warn the people of their wickedness. So that way they would turn from their wickedness and judgment would not fall. For instance, the, the book of Jonah is a very good book. God sent Jonah to Nineveh, a non-Israelite city. And he said to go to Nineveh and tell them that I'm going to bring judgment. Just paraphrasing. But Jonah refused the, the whale swallow or a big fish. However you want to look, you, I know how you different than some people. And I, it wasn't a it wasn't a whale. The Bible didn't say whale. What else was it? Anyway, Jonah was swallowed by a whale, and, and and was and stayed there for three days and three nights. And this ties in with my uh, message from last week, our common salvation. And this ties in with First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses three and four that. The Lord was buried and raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And the book of Jonah is the part of that, the law of the pro and the prophets that Jesus was speaking about concerning the Lord Jesus being raised from the dead. Just thought I'd throw that in for, for good measure. And so the, the, the whale spit Jonah back out on the shores. And then uh, next thing you know, Jonah went into Nineveh and preached that that uh, repentance and turn from turn from your sins because God is going to judge. And so the whole city of Nineveh repented. Why? Because they were warned by the watchmen. They were warned by Jonah that God was going to bring judgment upon this city. And they turned from their sin. But about 100 years later, if you go into the book of Nahum, if you go into the book of Nahum, you will see that Nineveh was judged because after 100 years, they forgot to pass down to each other that this is what God will do 
if we do not repent of sin. This is what God will bring if we don't repent of sin. So stay repentant. They didn't they didn't uh, pass this down from generation to generation. They lived it up. They did whatever they wanted. And Nineveh was destroyed 100 years later. So, yes, we thank God for Jonah. That Jonah brought the word of the of the of, of God to Nineveh. Nineveh repented, but they failed to, to maintain their righteousness. And 100 years later, they were destroyed. They were destroyed. So God doesn't send a prophet just to preach nice words to you, just to, uh, to give you good, pleasant words. So that way you can just sit there and enjoy the ecstasy, ecstasy of those words. No, 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 no. When he sends a prophet, he's going to send the prophet to send the word of the Lord to have you turn from sin. Now, don't get me wrong that that is not the only job of, of the prophet. We see that there are prophets in the book of Acts that came and gave encouraging words to help the believers to uh, mature and to stay in there and to hang in there, regardless of the persecution and things of that nature. We, we know that there is another side of the prophets bringing a word of God to warn the people is just not the only side of the prophet. But now we see in the New Testament that there are prophets that bring encouraging words to believers to help them to grow in their faith and to maintain what the Lord started in them. But for the most part, as far as bringing a word of God to a nation that is sinning, you best to believe that the Lord will send the prophet. All right. So verse three, and they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent them another servant and at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully treated. And again, he sent another and him they killed and many others beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, they will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vine, the vineyard to others. Uh, have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Just in case you want to know where that is, uh, that is the book of, of Psalm 118. And, and and that and that's probably, I think, verse 22, verse 23. But verse 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. What day was made? This verse of scripture right here, verses 22, 20, uh, 23, I believe in the book of Psalm uh, 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I know that we made a big song. Everybody liked to sing that song and whatnot. But I never was taught what day was the Lord that was made. And the day that was made was that the stone became the chief cornerstone. The stone was rejected and became the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So that when the Lord appeared, that's the day that was made. And we shall rejoice and 
be glad in it. Now I know we got every day, every day, every, you know, we, we sing it in the sense that every day is the Lord days that he, that is made nothing wrong with that. Perfectly fine. Perfectly uh, scriptural to say yes, because God made every day. No, no, make no question. There's no question about it. Make no mistake about it. I should say there is no question about it. So if you want to sing it in that phrase, it's perfectly fine. But but what I wanted to do was to show you what other day was made that was just as important. And that is the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Here's another reason why uh, the Lord is hated, but now we're hated, and that's why we contend earnestly for the faith. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. In other words, don't be uh, surprised that the world hates you. Don't be surprised because I, I know I, I know it's 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 the, it's the personality in us that we want to be liked by everybody. We don't want to be hated hated by everybody. And see, that's why some of us compromise and capitulate because we want to be liked by everybody. But you see, when it comes to the Word of God, it's irrespective of whether the world or even believers or uh, uh, professed believers on, around us hate us. It doesn't. You shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't. You sh- it, it shouldn't surprise you, and you shouldn't be amazed. But it does happen. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life. In other words, if the world hates you, then you've passed. It's a good, clear indication. Because why would the world hate you? Ask yourself that question. Why would the world hate you? The reason why the world hates you is because you are in Christ and the world hates the Lord. And so therefore the world will hate you. So don't marvel again. Verse 13. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. In other words, we don't hate anybody just because they hate us doesn't mean that we hate them. Just because they hate us doesn't mean that we dislike them. We may not like their ways. We may not like what they do, but it is not grounds for pure hatred because if you hate anybody, you're a murderer, according to 1 John. And so you got to be very careful that that just because the world hates you, that you don't uh, render evil for evil. You don't do that. You love them. And that's the distinguishing feature that that if your enemy as as far as Romans chapter 12 tells us, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink to drink for you will heap coals of fire on their head. In other words, they will be ashamed that they did this to you because you out of your heart showed them the kind of person that you are in Christ and you extended to them love instead of us extending to them the same amount, if not even more hatred towards them. And remember what Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 13 and verse 34, that that uh, uh, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So he uh, who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So just because the world hates you doesn't give you the excuse to hate them back. So uh, Matthew chapter 10 gives gives us a little bit more proof about this, this hatred. But now let's let's continue on because uh, time is running out. Now, the reason why that they hate you and first of all, they hate God is because they love sin and eventually they will be paid wages. The book of John chapter uh, three 
And verse 13 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Can you see that? You see, it's just like a room full of roaches and it's dark. You turn on the light and the roaches are like saying, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they start scurrying all over the place. They start running all over the place because you turn on the light. Well, I'm not saying that sinners are roaches, but their behavior is similar. As soon as the light comes in, they're like saying, hey, wait a minute, turn off the light. We like it dark in here. But no, 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 no. You bring in light for a reason. Remember what Jesus said that we ought to be in the book of uh, Matthew, chapter five, uh, verses 13 and 14, that we ought to be salt in the world. And we also ought to be ought to be light to the world. And so Jesus said, you are the light of the world. See, we have this light that's on the inside of us and we should not hide it under a basket or a bushel, if you will. We're, we're not to hide our light. Everywhere we go, we shine. Everywhere we go, we give the light of life because Christ is in us, not because of any of our goodness and not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done in us. And we want people to come to the light. So keep your light on. Do not turn off your light. Again, verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. And that's why they hate the Lord, because they want to stay in their darkness. And because their deeds were evil, everyone uh, for everyone practicing evil hates the light. This is verse 20 for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So if you're in the light, you've got no problem when somebody else comes in with light. If you're in Christ, you have no problem with, with anybody coming, coming towards you because you are light. But the world, different story. The world would hate, will hate God. The world will hate you. And you got to be prepared for that. But also be prepared for the fact that the spirit of God will come upon you. And then you ought to exercise love. Perhaps there, uh, that one act of love could steer them towards Christ. It doesn't mean that we give spitfire and, and hell all the time. Sometimes God uses certain things in us to communicate to them the love of God. So that way it breaks the, gr the, 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 the ground. It breaks the ground of their heart. They, their heart turns from stone into mush. And, and guess what? Now it's an opportunity for the word of God to come into them and to receive the gospel. And guess what? You've won somebody to the Lord. So we do not discount doing good deeds as a way by which can be used to communicate the gospel. So when you're contending for the faith, you got to have uh, wisdom from God, but you also have to have the word of God in you. And you also have to be led by the spirit of God. Look, just like what it says in the book of uh, Romans chapter eight and verse 14, I believe that it says uh, for many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And, and so uh, we're going to conclude and we thank God that you're able to uh, listen to the word of God today and, and, and be prepared to share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to individuals that do not know the Lord. Be prepared to share the word of God uh, uh, willingly because there are a whole lot of individuals that are open to the gospel. 
not everybody is closed to the gospel because the Lord knows those who are ready to receive the gospel. And so be, be encouraged to share the gospel, be courageous, be fearless, open up your heart, open up uh, your, your willingness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And, and also when the moment of time comes, there will be times where you will have to contend for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. You will have to stand your ground. You will have to open up your heart and learn to stand strong uh, in the time in which we're living because the world evidently, without question, hates the Lord. But also, there are individuals that are open to receive the gospel and perhaps one individual may be able to receive the gospel. For instance, this is just a, a story before I, I begin to close, uh, give our prayer and benediction. Um, uh, there was an individual that happens to uh, some of you have seen that uh, videotape that I showed on YouTube of an individual that came into uh, a homosexual pride month party and, and, and children and everything. And he unashamedly contended for the faith and he was confronted. No question about it, but he stood his ground. But there was a, a woman with a child that walked in just after he uh, was finishing up his contending for the faith. And she was coming in there just to enjoy a, a party with them. But she heard the in that short amount of time she heard the word of god and because someone contended for the faith she walked back out of there with her child sparing her child of the indoctrination and and this is very important that we need to to understand that in these troubled times that the, there are individuals that that do come and and they um and they contend for the faith they contend for the faith to uh for one purpose and one purpose only so that perhaps maybe one, maybe two, maybe a few individuals will come to their senses and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ to repent of sin and to place faith on Christ alone. So if you're asked, ever asked a question because they see a difference in you and they say, well, you, you seem uh, 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 like a Christian. You're a believer, are you? And, and so you don't be ashamed. You don't deny the Lord. Immediately you respond because that is an opportunity that the Lord orchestrated just for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result, that person may be an individual that one day you will see in heaven and they will thank God that you were there that, and that you contended for the faith. You've been listening to Prevailing Word Ministries on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. Our podcast will be posted on our Facebook and Twitter page, Prevailing Word Ministries and The Minister's Crucible. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. Please visit our website at prevailingwithministries.net. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, known as X, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.